Good morning. It's a joy to be here with you this morning. God's people, God's house on God's day. Let's go to our covenant God in prayer. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Oh God, we praise your matchless and holy name this morning, for truly you are great and greatly to be praised. O Lord, we think on your steadfast love and your right hand filled with righteousness. We consider well this morning your mighty works of creation and redemption, that we might tell the next generation that this God, our God, forever and ever will guide us, forever, even beyond death. O King of kings and Lord of lords, rule over your people this morning. Rule in our hearts, subdue us to yourself. Conform us in our lives more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who humbled himself, emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. O Lord, pour out your spirit upon us, O gracious God, for we hunger and thirst after righteousness, and as we drink more deeply of the Lord Jesus Christ, may rivers of living water flow from us to those around us and to the nations, to all those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. Thank you for your faithfulness, your trustworthiness to provide for our every need, for every good and great gift comes from you. And so we thank you and praise you this morning for many wonderful gifts. We thank you for the birth of Grayson Robert Jones to Molly and Justin Jones. Oh Lord, would your favor rest upon that family even this morning. We thank you for our brother, Brandon Lackey, and for the Foundry Ministry, a wonderful place where you, O oh Lord, are shaping the lives of those bound by life-controlling addictions. O oh Lord, provide for them everything that they need to enter into those most difficult places, would you encourage them and strengthen them in your gospel and do mighty works of renewal and restoration in the lives of your image bearers? And would you thank you for the gifts of modern medicine? And we pray for our sister, Kathy Girardeau, for a quick and steady recovery from her recent surgery. And, O oh Lord, on this Memorial Day weekend, we thank you for the many freedoms that we experience in this nation particularly the freedom to worship you according to your word and our conscience. May it ever be. And we thank you, O God of hosts, for those who have laid down their lives, the cost of this freedom. And Father, we do pray for our brother and minister Josh Johnson, for his life and ministry, for his marriage and children, for their preparation over the next year as they move into a new season of life. Thank you for their service among us. Fill Josh this morning, O Holy Spirit. As he opens your scriptures, may he speak truthfully and powerfully. Give us ears to hear what you might say to your church through him. And we pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. Amen. Well, good morning. It's a joy to greet you all again in the name of the Lord, to preach, to open up the Bible. Um, and you may notice in your worship guide, it looks different. It looks a little funny because it doesn't say First Peter. Uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, often in the church, we don't get the opportunity to 
kind of look at the church calendar and um, see what's going on there. But on this particular Sunday and next Sunday, we do. Today in the church calendar is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost um, is the time 50 days after um, the Passover, so 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's celebrated um, throughout the world as a really important moment in the history of the church. We're going to find out why. But you might even still be wondering, why don't we just keep going on in our study of 1 Peter? Well, you'll know if you've read Acts that chapter 2, which we're going to be in this week and next week, is Peter. It's Peter on the day of Pentecost preaching and telling the gathered crowds all that the Lord has done in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And more importantly, well, really, it's not more importantly, it's equally as important. We believe Peter is the apostle that stands behind Mark's gospel. So we just finished our study in Mark, which was heavily influenced by Peter and his eyewitness testimony to the work and ministry of Jesus. We're currently studying a letter that he wrote to exiles who are strangers in their land who are waiting for the redemption of Christ to be fulfilled as they wander through really difficult times in their lives. And so now on these two weeks, we get to make a little pit stop and we get to hear how Peter understood a earth shattering and defining moment in the life of the church. One that still reverberates even today and will reverberate until the final day when Jesus comes back for his bride. So with that as an introduction to what we're doing, um, let's get to it. Let's read Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. And follow with me. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of, each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. 
But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we're before you, your gathered people, sitting, listening. Speak, O Lord, through your word. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and transform us more and more into the image of the Son, the ascended Lord Jesus, that we might live faithfully to the glory of his name. We pray all this in that name. Amen. Friends, we live in the overlap of the ages. Something happened 2,000 years ago. There's this pivotal moment in all of history that has set a new course. God has done something, and now we are living in the midst of it. You see, with the advent of Christ, His first coming... And his life, his, his birth, his life, his suffering, his death, and his ascension. And now today, as we see Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit, a new age has dawned. We live in, this, in the age of the church, the age of the Spirit, waiting for Jesus to come back. And so it, there's an inherent tension. Because... We still live in a world where all things are not made new yet. Jesus has set about the work of redemption. He is redeeming his people and he is empowering them to live faithfully as creation waits eagerly expecting the redemption of God's people. And yet we still experience brokenness. We still experience really, really hurtful relationships. We still experience work that doesn't provide all in its fullness for us. We still have a broken relationship with ourselves and with others in lots and lots of different ways as sin ravages our daily lives. And yet, we have hope because the Lord Jesus Christ is the ascended and risen King who has done something unbelievable for the sake of his church. And that's what Peter is seeing on this very day 2,000 years ago, more or less, That with the advent of the Spirit being poured out on the church, we now live in this new age. God has done something. Salvation has come. And in this text, I want us to see a couple of things. First, I want us to see how we know this to be true. How how do we know that this is what's happening? And then at the end, lastly, I want us to see what do we do now? 
So that's the two, the two parts of today's, of today's sermon. What, how do we know this is true and what do we do now? How now shall we live in these realities? So how do we know that this is true? Here's the first way. You see in the text that God has set about reversing the curse as far as it is found. He is reversing the curse as far as it is found. As I was thinking about Acts 2 um, this week, we were in Honduras for a few days um, to visit me, Liz, Bridger, and Sibs. It was a whirlwind, Um, but we got to sit down with our friends and their kids, and we played a lot of games. Now, kids, I don't know if you've ever played this, but raise your hand if you've ever played the game Uno. Huh? See a lot of hands. All right, so we are Uno people. Uno, roughly translated, means one. Okay? Because when you get to the end of the game, you have to shout Uno when you have one card left. Well, I was thinking about this text and Uno because it made perfect sense to me. This is how God is working in the world. I remember playing with my dad and thinking that I had the upper hand for a long time. You know, you're getting cards and you're laying down random numbers and colors. And as a kid, you really don't, you're not thinking about it. You see yellow, I'm going to put yellow. You see a four, I'm going to put a four. And so you're going and you're putting draw twos down without reckless abandon. You're just throwing cards. And I think I'm doing my worst against my dad. And he, with a smile on his face, is just taking in cards. He's taking in all kinds of cards, even the really good cards. And he's got a big old hand, and I'm like, I am winning this game. It is just a matter of time. Friends, this is how humanity has existed in the world up until this point in our text. Humanity had done its worst in the face of God, outright rebellion against him, playing all of their best and worst cards against him, thinking that they were making a name for themselves. And God, through the ages, had been faithfully taking on cards at the cost of himself, waiting patiently for the day to come when he would have the turn to play. And that's exactly what we see in this text. He is reversing the curse as far as it is found. Look at the first verse with me. This is God ordering all things for the purpose of his gracious mission. Just like my dad taking in all those cards, God across the ages has been taking them on, ordering all things for his gracious mission. When the day of Pentecost arrived, you see, Pentecost was, is, again, translated, it means 50, the 50th part. And it was the celebration in the Jewish calendar 50 days after the festival of Passover. It was called the Festival of Weeks. See, God instituted this festival as a remembrance of his gracious generosity to his people. When he brought them out of slavery, they celebrated the Passover. And then roughly 50 days later, they came to him on his mountain, Sinai, into his presence. And he invited them to celebrate again this festival of new grain. A promise that there would be a harvest for them when they got to the promised land. And so through the ages, God's people celebrated Pentecost as a reminder of his generosity, of his faithfulness to them. And so here we are, hundreds upon hundreds of years later, and God's people are gathering again in the big city, 
to celebrate God's faithfulness. All of it, through the ages, God has ordered all things to this very day. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, roughly ten days after his ascension into glory, all of it crashing in on this very day because God has ordered all things, even in the state of chaos and misery, and he's ready to play his hand. And so then, here's what happens. They were all gathered in one place, and then verse 2, suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Gale force winds coming right through the building, through the city itself. This sound that was so loud, it shook their ears. And even more, divided tongues as of fire, flicking flames, fell on and rested on each one of them. And Peter gives us the interpretation. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, here is what's happening. Not only has God ordered all things, and now he's ready to play. You guys remember that moment when someone lays down a wild card? And maybe it's a draw four, and you feel the momentum shift. And then all of a sudden, you're the one taking on cards, and they're just playing. They change the color to blue, and it is lights out blue. In the pouring out of the Spirit, God has started. He has played the wild card. Things are now different. The momentum has shifted, and the Spirit has come. A mighty rushing wind, wind throughout the Scripture is significant because it represents the breath of of life, the breath of God, the spirit of God, his movement and activity in the world. And so when this mighty rushing wind comes through, what you are seeing is God beginning his new creation work. The first fruits of the new creation in Jesus, he has already come out of the grave. He is alive and he's ascended. And now God, through the Son, who is pouring out the Spirit, is setting about making all things new, starting with His people. Just like in Genesis when the Spirit hovered over the beginnings of creation, just like when Adam was created before he was alive, God breathed into him the breath of life. So now in this moment, God's people are being breathed into the breath of life, the Spirit of new creation. He is setting about making you who have received the Spirit new. You are new creations in Christ Jesus. Because you have the very presence of the Spirit of new creation in you. Moreover, tongues as of fire rested on them. Not only is he the Spirit of new creation, he's the Spirit of the new covenant. You remember Pentecost was a celebration of when God's people arrived at Sinai. There's this kind of conflation of things throughout the ages where the Jews recognized that Pentecost had a lot of meaning, including the giving of the law. This was God giving his word, the very lifeblood of his people, giving his word to them. And so as the tongues of fire fell on their heads, the new covenant has been initiated. The glorious presence of God has broken out of heaven and is falling on his people. Fire throughout the Old Testament was a sign of his presence that was all-consuming. 
that was purifying and that made things alive. And so these tongues fell on them like pillars of fire representing the fact that they are the temple. These people, God's people, are the presence of God wherever they go. Being made holy. Why? Because they're close to God. You, day by day, are being made holy, not because of what you do, but because of how close you are to Jesus Christ, united to him by the Spirit. That's what makes you holy. And so, you can see how as God was taking on cards, he had a few major playing cards. You guys remember, if you just had like a whole series of reverse cards, especially if you're playing one-on-one with somebody, reverse back to me, reverse back to me, reverse back to me, right? You could just reverse everything that they had done and just throw these cards down and you see the hand dwindle. Things are coming to a close really quickly. Look with me at what happens in this moment. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. Now it would be one thing to be excited or excitable like I am and then just start speaking without knowing what's coming out of your mouth. I do that a lot. But they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Here's why. Because God was setting about reversing the curse in a very real and tangible way. See, long ago, back in Genesis 10, after the flood, the nations of the world, God's people, gathered together in one place at Babel. And at Babel, they wanted to build a tower, a a temple for themselves to make themselves God. They wanted to make a name for themselves in their pride and their arrogance. And God looked down at their tiny little temple and he had to come down even further to be able to see it because he's the true God and we're not. And so he came down to them at Babel and he cursed them, in a sense, by confusing their language. They spoke all the same thing, but then at that moment, they began to speak tons of different languages. And the text says that they were, God confused their language. And then he dispersed them to the ends of the earth, which was the whole point of the mission. So that God's glory would go to the end of the earth. Now in their curse, they were going to the ends of the earth, being unable to interact because of sin. God is reversing that in this moment. Look at what the text says. Look at what Luke is wanting us to see. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from where? Every nation under heaven. Every nation. And then he gives us a list which echoes the table of nations back in Genesis 10. Every nation that had been confused and perplexed and unable to see the one true God and his mighty works is now gathered together because God has ordered all things to this moment. The nations of the world are gathered and what happens? They begin to hear clearly the mighty works of God. He has reversed the curse as far as it is found and he is making himself known to his people through their heart language so that when they hear it, it resonates deeply with who they are. They're not having to do mental translation of what they're hearing and and be gracious to people like people have to be with me in Spanish and yeah, we kind of get what you're saying. No, 
They are hearing in their heart language the beauty of the ascended Lord Jesus Christ and it hits their hearts. It resonates with what's true and beautiful. This is what has happened to you in your life. You have heard clearly the word of God and the curse that you were under has been reversed as his word is going out to the nations. Pentecost was the celebration of the harvest. It was meant to celebrate the first fruits and here the harvest is ripe. Men and women from every nation under heaven are gathered and hearing the mighty works of God and they were amazed and confused not because they didn't understand but because they heard and understood clearly. So the first way we know this is really true that we're living in this overlap of the ages that God has set about something new It's because we have seen he is reversing the curse as far as it is found. But secondly, I want you to see what Peter tells us is that we know this to be true because God is a God who fulfills his promises for salvation. He's a God who promises redemption and then accomplishes it in real time. He fulfills his promises. So the people there, they're standing and they're like, what is going on? What on earth is happening? These are Galileans. They're fishermen. They're not big city folk. They didn't grow up around a ton of languages. They maybe had some Aramaic and a little Greek and maybe some Hebrew from their synagogue time. But how are they speaking in uh, the language of Egypt? How are they speaking in the language of Cappadocia and Pontus and, and these localized dialects? How is that happening? Well, Peter... Wanting to make sure that we know that they're not drunk. It's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. Okay. He says, this is not being drunk. This is God telling us and doing in real time what he has promised to do. And Peter uses the Old Testament to help us understand that this is who God is. He takes us to the prophet Joel. And he was like, this is exactly what the prophet Joel understood. You see, the prophet Joel, in his day, they had been experiencing some judgment of God in the form of locusts. They had eaten everything, and the land had become desolate. They were desperate. And so Joel, the prophet, comes to them and says, now is the time. Now is the time because there's a day coming. When the day of the Lord comes, it's going to be judgment, but it's also going to be salvation. He's going to restore you. He's going to renew you. So that when you call on his name, you'll be saved. Don't rend your garments. Rend your hearts and come back to him. And moreover, you'll know that this day has come when God pours out his spirit. This is something completely new. Joel said, in the last days, it shall be that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You see, in the ancient world, there were only a few moments, a few times when the spirit of God came on individual people to empower them to do the work God had set before them. Never before in redemptive history had God given his spirit to all of his people. But that didn't mean that the people didn't look forward to that day. Moses himself said, oh, that all of God's people would be filled with the Spirit and prophesy. This, which God's people have been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for, has finally 
come. God promises it and he fulfills it. And more importantly than this is the fact that Pentecost, and I I want you to hear this and hold on to it with with full hope and assurance. Pentecost is not an add-on to the work of Jesus. Pentecost is the capstone to the redemption accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, here's the story that Joel said. He said, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. As the story has unfolded, this understanding of what God is doing is unfolding in Jesus. See, at his birth, the heavens opened and the angelic host wanders in the heavens above. They were singing, salvation has come. In this tiny infant. And then in his early life, he grew in wisdom with the word of God reverberating in his heart until the time when he was baptized and the heavens again opened and God spoke wonders in the heavens. The spirit came upon him to empower him for the ministry of setting the kingdom of God coming in to the earth. In his birth, his life, his sufferings and his death, And then, three days later, in the power of his resurrection as the first fruits of the new creation. And then, after 40 days, as he ascended into heaven as the vindicated king over all things. And now, in the capstone event, when as the vindicated king at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, he pours out the gift, a gracious and generous gift of the Holy Spirit, not upon a few people, not upon just the apostles, but upon the church. And this is not just him pouring out the Spirit, but we understand that when Jesus pours out the Spirit, he is actually pouring out himself as the life-giving Spirit. This moment marks the, the Jesus' presence has come to his church to be with all of his people. He fills his church with himself by the Spirit until the day when physically, in new creation bodies, we see him face to face. This is the story of Jesus the King, which culminates in the fact that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I especially am thinking about little ones and middle schoolers and high schoolers You're being invited to call on a whole lot of things to find meaning in your life. Even adults, this is true of us too. But it's really, really simple. To call on the name of the king. To trust him. To say, I belong to Jesus and he is mine. I will follow him wherever he goes. Because he has given me himself in the spirit. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You are being saved and you will be saved in full. So this is how we know this is all true because God is reversing the curse as far as it is found and he's doing so by speaking clearly to the world, to the nations of the world through his people so that they might hear in their own heart language the truth of who Jesus is. And we know it's true because God fulfills his promises for salvation. He accomplishes it in its fullness. 
And now briefly, real briefly, so what? How, how then should we live? Well, here it is in simple form. When Jesus pours out the spirit of life on his church, he is empowering us to live as witnesses. This is who you are. This is your life. You, by the power of the spirit, are being called and empowered to live as a servant witness for the sake of King Jesus. This is what Pentecost means for the church. This is what the spirit being poured out means for us. And it's really, really good because the reality of the overlap of the ages means that we step out into a world that doesn't like what we have to say. We step into a world that doesn't like the way that we live. We step into a world where living for the sake and the name of Jesus doesn't resonate. And yet we're empowered by the Spirit to enter into that tension. And so first, this is what it means. It means we've been given the spirit of the word. You see, when the spirit came and the tongues of fire were on them, what did they set about doing? They set about proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. They set about proclaiming the mighty works of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the King, the risen Lord. We know him and so we make him known. That is the calling of your life. We have been brought to know him by the spirit. And so in the spirit, we make him known. And we do that through the word. Parents, if you have children of any age, listen, do not forsake the word of God. Paul says it is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. Anytime you open your Bible and you read it, if you read it alone, if you read it out loud, it is the power of God. The spirit is at work. It's his word. He wrote it and he's writing it on your hearts. Don't forsake the word of God. Open the word and let it sing. Let God sing over you and over your children and over your neighbors, and over your friends. When you gather for a meal, whoever's in the house, open the word and let the spirit have opportunity to work. Because he will. And little ones, children, kids of all ages, this is important for you. Have you ever kind of walked up to somebody and started t- talking really closely to them and then you smelled it? They have really stinky breath. This is probably true of my kids when they come see me in the morning while I'm having my coffee. They get right up and close and I say good morning and you just see their eyes start to water. Well, friends, rather than have stinky breath, kids, I want to encourage you to start having Bible breath. Start having Bible breath. I want you to work on memorizing little verses of the Bible. And I want you to ask your parents to help you. Ask your parents to turn on the corner room or other artists that are putting scripture to music so that you might have it in your heart and your brain that it might become the very breath that you breathe. And then as families, as all of us together, individuals and families and friends, I want us to pray. I want us to start praying. 
The Spirit is the Spirit of this age, and He is everywhere. He's already working where we're not yet. And so it's our task, our duty, and our joy to pray that He would continue to work through His people in every place. For our missionary partners all over the world, for our partners in Birmingham, for our our friends that live in another part of the neighborhood where we know there are unbelievers, pray. Pray that by the power of the Spirit, they would be able to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to live it so that the two witnesses together would be powerful in the hearts of those that don't know him yet. Spurgeon has many, many one-liners that are fantastic, but this one hit home for what we're talking about. If there be anything about which we cannot tolerate lukewarmness, It is in the matter of sending the gospel to the dying world. Friends, we have the spirit of the risen king. He dwells in each one of us and as a corporate body, we are his. We cannot be lukewarm when we have the power of the word. Oh, may the spirit of Christ fill us with passion and fire to live and proclaim the good news that Jesus is King. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, which is the power of God unto salvation. We praise you that you have ordered all things for the purpose of your gracious mission, that even 2,000 some odd years ago in a tiny place in the Mediterranean, the, the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God fell and poured out on the church. And Holy Spirit, from that day forward, you have been filling your people, empowering them for the work of of reconciliation as Jesus reconciles all things by the blood of the cross. We ask that now as we come to the table where Jesus has promised to meet us by the Spirit as the Spirit takes us into his very presence, We pray that you would nourish us so that we might be empowered to live this out. For your glory and the good of our neighbors and the nations, we pray. Amen.